Welcome to Juice Podcast. I'm Gwen Douglas. And I'm Emily Harmon. Today's episode, we're doing Austrian wine or a selection a of selection. wines from Austria. Perfect. Yeah. So we've got a couple of whites and a red. We I think there's one that you could maybe question whether it's white or not. Yeah, okay, right. <laughs> Somewhere between white and orange. A pretty color. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to start with that one, right? Yeah. Um, but I think maybe before we get into tasting, I'll pour you some whilst we have a, a bit of a chat. But, but um, maybe we can talk a little bit about what Austria. we, yeah, what we know about Austrian wine. Uh, what's interesting? What are the names of grape varieties, regions that people may or may not be familiar with? Right. So I date an Austrian. So I think like once I met him, it was an introduction to Austrian wines. Because I would say that for me, a lot of grape varieties from Austria, I probably wasn't very familiar with yeah. until we met. Yeah. So especially Gruner, since every Austrian I meet loves a bit of Gruner. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to like pry it away from them, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> because living in Berlin as well, there's a bit more access to Austrian wines here than at least there was before in the UK. Absolutely. I don't know what it was like in I'm North America. You, like, travel around a bit too now. Yeah. Like Scandinavia likes Austrian wines. But that's really, I think, the Austrian thing's really taken off in the last sort of five years. Okay. Um, but like I know a uh, UK and Portugal, Clark Voister, and they were sort of the first people to really import Austrian wine seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think, I want to say that was around 15 years ago they sort of started doing okay. that so it was relatively a lot of the stuff i think because there were no the wines from austria weren't ever super cheap like it, no, actually right. it's quite high quality yeah, overall absolutely. compared to other countries that a lot of the stuff stayed in the in the domestic right. market for a long time one of the biggest wine scandals involved austrian wines all right so they were adding what were they adding so in 85 there was a huge wine scandal okay. i think we talked about this on our riesling episode actually yeah, i feel like we've talked um, about this a couple of scandals so diethylene glycol was being added to wine um to make the wines appear sweeter and more full-bodied um, is- in the style of late harvest wines which is why um actually it's, i think it was yeah it was many of these were austrian wines that were being exported to germany okay um that's the reason why we started seeing this movement in Austria towards dry wines after that yeah, yeah. because um, they just didn't trust the sweet wines anymore maybe. well I think yeah they wanted to build the confidence back in people right. so they sort of switched back to dry style so that sort of dictated a little bit about what happened and the 80s were just a bad time for everything we're just like not not doing any not music I mean alright well, <laughs> that could be debated <laughs> if I have to hear David 99 Bowie. red balloons one more time in my life <laughs> Myself You're living in drums. the wrong city if you don't like the 80s. Well, I did work in 80s night at a Berlin. nightclub for 10 years. I was going to say, so Berlin I... is like stuck in the 80s I in know. so many it ways. It is perpetually like New York <laughs> yeah. in the 80s. But yeah. Denim on denim on every corner. <laughs> oh anyway, so just going into a little bit into sort of Austrian We've got wines. We've there a bit. <laughs> but, but regions, so let's region. talk about... I guess the most famous regions, um, there's Weinviertel, which is just outside of Vienna, where well, you can see the vineyards from the city of Vienna, which is pretty amazing. I don't know many places in the world where you can see vines from right. the centre of town. Well, we were just, I was doing a little reading yeah. that Vienna is probably one of the cities that's most at home with vineyards, with vines being grown up on up touching tram lines. Yeah, so which is amazing. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, they still produce wines. Yeah, that's the most sort of northern part, and then as you sort of go further down. Um, the Danube River River plays quite an important role for quite a few regions. One being obviously Wachau, which is probably the most famous um, 
white wine region in in Austria historically uh, for, for producing quite rich, intense, sometimes really full-bodied white wines, actually, with I Riesling and Gruner. Very I'm ripe, usually steep happy slopes. if I, like, see Vachal, that's where I, I grab one of those. Yeah, and it's, like, it's quite interesting. It's kind of the Austrian, the closest thing Austria has to the Mosul, in a way, with these sort of sleep, steep slopes, and it's mm. very beautiful and picturesque. Um, so that's really interesting. And then going further south, we have uh, Kamtau and then Kremstau um, being the next two interesting white wine regions. And I guess after those, like we sort of the two other places that you're seeing wines from is like Steiermark, Styria, right. and then also Burgenland. Right, which is on the hung- Hungarian border? Yeah, on the border of Hungary uh, and super famous for this very large lake, Neudelize. Yeah. Um, which is very famous because it sort I'm of freezes over. I didn't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> it would have sounded like noodle sea if I tried to say. And one of our <laughs> <laughs> and one of our wines actually comes from there, which is interesting. But the lake's really famous for having these mists, so um, okay. creating the perfect environment for uh, Botrytis. So very okay. famous for sweet, sweet wines. wines. Uh, yes, there is and a also, very famous sweet wine from that region. Yes, and right. um, also uh, Blaufrankisch from down there. Yeah. Cool. So those are a couple of regions. I think in the future we're definitely going to try and hone in on hone in on some. Yeah. But for now, today we've just sort of picked a selection of pretty different wines, I would say, also the way they're produced. Yeah. And in terms of varieties, Austria, I guess the number one most famous Austrian grape would be Grüner Veltliner. Yeah, and the, and for white wines, I mean Austria has. Bigger wine, a lot more white wine produced than red wine as well, but yeah, mostly green. And then you meet Austrians and you realize why because they drink 70% more, <laughs> yeah. more white wine than they do red wine. <laughs> So Gruner, um, Riesling, obviously, as well for the other white grape. Um, I quite like the Rieslings from yep. Austria because I find that um, they're not quite uh, as aromatic as no, the ones like from Germany. They, really a little bit more herbal, a little yeah. bit more delicate, a little bit usually more dry yeah. and a little bit fuller. So for me to introduce people to Riesling, I often start them off with oh, an really? Austrian Riesling. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because they don't go, oh, it's sweet. Yeah, and you're like, right. it's not sweet, but it just smells really yeah, aromatic. Yeah, right. Um, but the Austrians uh, don't have that in the same way that the German Rieslings do. Red wine, grapes. Blaufrankisch. What was the other one? Zweigel is the other one that's really um, indigenous. You don't really see these varietals outside of Austria in many places. Right. So it's quite interesting. What's the other one? Scheurebe. Which we also have, yeah, with Scheurebe in, in, um, in Germany as well. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, that's a little bit of that. If we've missed one that you love, then tell us about it. Yeah. And uh, otherwise, we're going to get on to tasting our first wine, which is... Called Homok. Homok. Not sure what that is. Well, that's the name Maybe. of the vineyard, I think. Okay. And Maybe it's uh, a Slovenian name or like a Hungarian name, I mean. It could be. It could be, yeah. So Homok from Alexander Kopic. So this is the producer that's actually on Neudelize, so Bergenland. He always has these really beautiful, super simple... Well, they're so colourful that you see them, you feel like you're on holiday. You want to take them on a picnic. Like, that's, I think, that he makes a lot of very picnic-y wines. Yeah. So fully natural, I believe. Just going to check the information. But yeah, a single vineyard wine, which is a blend of three varietals. Uh, it's predominantly Grüneveltliner, 60%. The other one was Weissbukunda, and uh, I can't remember the third one. No, so uh, 60% Gruner, 30% Sauvignon Blanc, ah, and then 10% Weissbukunda. All right. 
Yeah, and it's it. So the grapes for this one were whole bunches placed in a tank. Gruner ferments in large acacia barrels. The Sauvignon in stainless steel. Weissburgunder in fiberglass tank. Oh God, so complicated. Skins <laughs> remain in contact with the juice for four hours um, after the, and then the bunches are directly pressed and fermented, mm-hmm. and then stays in tank for around nine months, blended, bottled, unfined, unfil- unfiltered, yeah, and no sulfur. All right, so it's got that little cloudy look on it. Uh, that's why I was like, I wasn't sure if there was. I didn't read no. those notes before, but I, that's why I was like, it looks somewhere between a rosé, an orange, and yeah, a white kind wine. It's kind of a blush color because it's not really rosé. There is a hue, kind of a peachy, yeah. antique peach. Hmm. Interesting nose. I mean, it makes yeah. my mouth water like I want to drink it. Yeah, it smells almost like very, very ripe apples and yeah, pears. There is a little like something sort of honey sweet in there. Pink lady apples. It's quite clean, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm always scared when I see a wine. <laughs> a little bit. Well, I'm never. You never know if the little mouse is going to come out and show mm. itself. <laughs> but it hasn't. Rodent-free zone here. Yeah, it's really. It's, I'm trying to find the words to describe it because it's definitely something I could see myself sitting in the grass and drinking. It's quite simple. Like I don't I think it's really super. Like, yeah. No, I think compared to the other two wines that we've got. Um, I would say this is the lightest. It's only 11% alcohol, so great going into summer. Yeah. This is great for like when people arrive for a barbecue. Yeah, totally. Well, when I also think <laughs> about what they eat in this region too, and they have these like sort of charcuterie afternoon plates. And, and probably fish from cheeses. the lake as right, well. Just like easy, yeah. snacky stuff that you eat with bread. This would be would be fine with. Obviously, the Sauvignon gives it yeah, some- this like um, citrusy, right. almost grapefruity freshness yeah. to it. And also with the Weissburgunder, I think because they're all... It's nice because they're sort of gentle aromatics, but they're not too yeah, extreme not too because much. the proportion of Gruner. And it's still nice and dry. Yeah. Yeah, for me, this is a wine that I don't necessarily need food with. No, I think you could just drink it by itself. Yeah, what I would eat with this. Just some, like you say, maybe just, just really simple stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just packet of crisps. Imagine just like a really nice, like, white bread with, like, a good crust on it. Just bread and butter. Happy as a clam. Just something yeah. so you don't get too drunk too fast because you'd probably drink it too quickly. I wonder how much quicker you get drunk on wines that are like an extra three percent alcohol. Wonder what the actual. I mean, there we must. Could I wonder what out. the equation is. Yeah. <laughs> we we'll could do, do an experiment. experiment. <laughs> you drink a off drunk. Yeah, you drink like nine. One of us will drink like nine percent alcohol ones. The other one will drink like sixteen oh percent Shiraz, and we'll see who gets the most drunk. <laughs> Unless we will have volunteers that want to do it with us. We need a set of identical twins to try that out on. So if you're an identical twin. <laughs> <laughs> being our test subjects <laughs> see how quickly you get drunk on, yeah on a nine percent wine versus a 16 percent wine well i guess it depends how delicious it is yeah well we'd have to give them like you have to drink x amount within this time maybe. yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my god imagine it'd be like that drunk history god on youtube yeah how, how quickly without without sulfur whether it develops a bit in the bottle because sometimes I do find that when something is no sulfur at all, sometimes it's one that you have to drink quickly. So that yeah, I was. That's it. what I was a little bit nervous about with this colour. It's nice, it's peachy, but there's a slight dull element to it. Yes, that's why I said antique peach. Peach. I just said antique peach because it does have that dusty. It's not like a bright, live, lively peach. Yeah, and sometimes with these um, zero sulfur wines, not always. Yeah, yeah right. But some, like sometimes I've had some bottles of particular producers, which I won't name and shame now. But like when they're open, within sort of like oh. twenty to thirty minutes, they start going like greeny brown. Oh yeah, I've there are a couple of bottles that I they actually look really do muddy. like, 
but they have a 30 minutes that you have to drink them. 30 minutes until it turns to pond. Yeah, yeah. So you have like, you better have five friends because everyone gets one glass, it's delicious. It's like, it's like... So I remember seeing one of these particular wines on a wine list at a wine bar by the glass and I was like, what the actual fuck are you I doing? guess if you're, se- but if you're selling a lot, actually, maybe you're going through it quite quickly, but I have had I a few... I think not well, quick we- enough. I think when you've got a 30 minute shelf life from opening a bottle, I don't think you're going to smack. Like, yeah, come fair on. Enough. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It would have to be like a special mm. on the glass, but I was like terrified and I saw the guy next to me ordering it and he got something that was starting I to I wonder look as like well calm. with the Coravin, um, with the Coravin, maybe then that's another opportunity for Coravin to play with these like zero sulfur wines. Maybe that's also something mm. that people should be Coravin oh, yeah, rather exactly. than older that's wines. That's what I was thinking because this place doesn't do mm. that, but I think that. That would be great for those kind of wines that need to be, like, taken a bit more care of. I mean, it's very easy to drink. Yeah, super easy. Buy myself a couple bottles. Grapefruit, fruity, almost rhubarby. Yeah. And this is, a, this is, I mean, this is brunch also. Like Yeah, this is a good, brunch, actually, you're right. This is a good brunch wine, actually. Because it's, like, it's not really too whiny. Yeah. It doesn't give you, like... Or the end of the night when you just need yeah, to, like... Something to sp- Sip Everybody on. laughs at me because we'll have a lot to drink, and then I'll be like, "Let's drink Pet Nat now," and they're like, "But I know," why? Me and I'm too. like, "Yeah, but it like it yes. wakes you back up." Yeah, Lucas gets mad at me because at the end of the night, I always like, "Oh, one more bottle," and I always suggest a Pet Nat, and yeah. he always goes, oh, "I don't want to drink bubbles now," but it's like it's not the same. Yeah, that's because he doesn't like bubbles, which is completely inexcusable. It's really annoying. For me, it's like once you go, you can have Pet Nat, and it's a way to restart. So if you want, <laughs> it doesn't even need to be the last one. It's like it's. It's half time then. Yeah, it's half time. Oh pet nuts for half time. Yeah, no, that's half a hashtag. Time. Yeah. Half time pet nuts. That's a t shirt, isn't yeah. it? That would be a great image yeah, of people, yeah. t- like half time, all these Whee! like football players like drinking pet nuts from the bottle. Amazing. And like it foaming out of their mouths. <laughs> Righty, bottoms up then. Mm-hmm. Gwen has an empty glass. Yeah, because it's fucking Emily delicious. has half a glass of wine. <laughs> she's, sne- she's secretly been necking it as usual. But it's good. I like it. Otherwise, I'd be like tossing it in the flowers. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I didn't More than a mouthful there. Yeah, that was that was quite the shot of. Um... <laughs> Just put that. I'm worried about yeah, it going yeah, bad. I was say, yeah. <laughs> put, put that lid on. So we're gonna try. We're gonna go a little bit unconventional for some people. So we're going for the rednecks. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Can I? Fuck the rules. Another hashtag. Yeah. Who says you have to do things in an order anyway? That's another T-shirt. Fuck the rules and a picture of Gwen <laughs> drinking a virtual out of the bottle. <laughs> like at Christmas. I like when you sent me the list of wines today. You snuck a virtual me, and I was like, I was like, uh, what do you think that? What episode's that? <laughs> well, it's a really good. Yeah, I'm excited about that one. Tastes Ooh, really like smells rose great. I'm excited, so the next I'm wine, Gwen. Sorry. Would you like to introduce the wine that you bought? So this is one we drink quite a lot at home. Yeah. Uh, Kalkstein Blaufrankisch by Klaus Preisinger. What vintage? It is 2017, 12.5%. Okay, it smells great. Yeah, this is a definite. I mean, this. I mean, my boyfriend works at the Austrian embassy, so this is something they drink there. It's something we like at home. We get because I travel with an Austrian wherever we go. People offer it to us, and we're like, we have so many bottles at home. <laughs> On holiday, sometimes we like to try other things, but. Pleasinger is always a good choice, I think. I absolutely adore Klaus's wines. I haven't actually had one yet that I've disliked. I really like that they have precision, they have freshness, and they have purity to them across the range from entry up until the top 
wines I really really think they're quite really really good wines you see the varietal you see the place um but also they're not too conservative either yeah exactly it's like that nice balance between like keeping doing things with some sort of traditional and clean but then also having a little fun and yeah totally pushing, pushing the right boundaries where they need to be pushed I was trying to have a little look to see if I could find out a little bit of extra information on it, but it is unfined (laughs) and unfiltered, um, and there is some self-added, I'm assuming, just a bottling. But he's... The grapes, it says biodynamic slash... Biodynamic organic slash equivalent, so he's not adding any chemicals at any point. I mean, the colour of this is... This is a very goth colour. It's very... Goth? Yeah, because it's really, like... It is. I mean, it is... It could be a lip. It could be the could shade be of lipstick. lipstick. Yeah, but yeah. it's really beautiful color, but you not see through. It's almost. Uh, it's like purpley, but like yeah. red at the same time. Yeah, it's very nice. On his website, I've got the 2016 sheet up, not for the 17 which we've got now. But I don't imagine they'll be super different in terms of production. But it says that usually they're making selection in the vineyard as well. Everything's hand picked. Then they resort the fruit, or at least they did for the 16, in the winery as well. And it just says old school winemaking, natural fermentation, and stainless steel. Um, six months in, used big barrels on the lees. Yeah, I think you can. I mean, we'll get to that, but I think for me, the nose is not huge. And Kalkstein, obviously, um, is chalk and chalk, limestone. Yeah. Uh, for me, Blaufrankisch, for people that haven't tried Blaufrankisch before, how do they find it? Yeah, how would tell you us describe about it? it? For me, I find it somewhere between three different varietals. So it's somewhere like Pinot Noir, Menthea, and Syrah. Okay, interesting. Because it's not as light as Pinot, even though the alcohol percentage is light. In terms of, it's not, and it hasn't got this sort of fruitiness that you see in Pinot. Right. But it has this spicy herbal quality, almost right. sappy quality that you see a bit in Syrah, Syrah. and also right. in Menthea. Interesting. And this sort of darker fruit profile. Um, but quite mineral, and I think it's quite a, it's a it's a lovely grape because it can be super elegant, it, but it can also be more yeah. robust depending how it's made. Because I would say, like for me, the smell there's a little bit of fruit, but it's quite faint, and it would be more like blackberry, yeah, like bramble, brambly, totally, total bramble, sweet, really ripe bramble. Yeah, there's a saltiness, there's there's a spiciness to it, there's this wild forest smell to it. There's a little bit of like this earthy, slightly. Leathery. It's very nice. It's a really sexy smell, I have to say. Because I think it's a little understated. It's not, like, in your face. And there's a touch of, like, this sort of violety floral yeah. lift on it. Yeah. And, of course, you know, there's a touch of cloudiness because it is unfiltered. But I still feel like it's not to the point, like, with the coppage, like, for some people yeah, yeah. that will freak this them the hell off, out. This would not put you off at all. Because someone would pour you this in a restaurant. I don't think you would notice. Oh, very nice wine. Yeah, really I, Like, I just... This, I want to eat so much stuff with this. Um, because yeah, I think you could do this at every point in a meal. Fatty you pork could, cheek. You could even have it early in the meal with cheese. I think it's... I mean, this is, I could drink this in the afternoon happily a little bit Yeah, chilled. with some goat's cheese, it'd be quite yeah. nice. It'd be really nice with some yeah, goat's cheese. Yeah, because it's got that sort of herbaly... Yeah. yeah, I think you could have it with, like, bigger dishes... Do you know? Autumn dishes. Even, yeah, autumn dishes. I'm totally, thinking think like can... cassoulet or yeah, stews, I mean, things with bay leaf inside. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the herbal. herbal. And the, yeah. Yeah. Well, the food at the Tegel Business Lounge. <laughs> You've been in there. It's awful. No. Oh my god. So sometimes I. Get, I mean, I didn't my know frequent... Tegel even had a business. <laughs> British Air, there's a British Airways lounge at Tegel. I imagine it would be quite sad. It is everything you expect <laughs> it to be, except that it's not Schoenfeld. 
and it, it probably looks like an NHS hospital, like held together with duct no, tape. No, because and... the space itself is cool, but the furniture is like the cheapest holiday in furniture <laughs> you've ever seen that's been there. Okay. Like there is a bit where there's like an old water fountain that's like made out like that looks like it would be outside in a garden it's oh in the middle God. of the lounge but it's not being like used like someone brought it from home they were like I was going to throw oh, this out the lounge <laughs> someone was like oh Bob what are you going to do with that fountain you're going to throw it away oh but it's like it's walled so someone's built a little wall around it and stuff and it kind of looks almost like there's this kind of like amateur Japanese-y it, it, it's really it, I, I mean it's awful so <laughs> that's there like and then you've got this sort of counter and as you walk in, there's like little bowls of um, Haribo, mini Haribo <laughs> packs are, that yeah. you can get. And I'm like, you know what? It makes me think like someone took a train ride and like stole all the mini packets of Haribo they give you on the DB and then just like put them in the business lounge. Well, they probably did because then they have like hard boiled <laughs> sweets, which I always take a few because I'm like, oh, that'd be helpful with my flight. I love grandma sweets. And uh, <laughs> so I go, go into the, like, I, every time I go in there, I always hope there's going to be something new, but there never is. No, never. So I was really do- disappointed last time because I went for breakfast. So there's no hot option at breakfast. There's like there's. Like, I mean, I feel like the airports in Berlin. There's very little option to begin with. You're like, you can have an apple or a banana. No, Tegel's got better. There's a, a good cafe there now. Like on there's a good cafe um, by the A gates, which is like before quite you nice. go in. Before yes, you go in, they do a good bagel there. Yeah, and then yes, there's just like a, a cart inside. But when you, like you always it's that gamble where you're like do I eat before I go through the gate or do I eat after and the, I mean I'm going to tell everyone right now if you're at te- if you're at any airport in Germany eat before you go through security yeah take BYO going BYO to, yeah, just bring your own food because you are going to be horribly disappointed and there's a few tricks as well there's a few tricks about flying from <laughs> Tegel so one is that when you go through this terminal like C yes, which is not really one. even its own terminal it's, not, it's, it's just, just it's mess. just Area C essentially. <laughs> it's like warehouses. <laughs> the porter cabin element yes. of takeoff. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. When you go through and there's like the duty free thing, they sell um cartons of water yes. for half a litre and I they're a those. euro. I always get so those. I always do that Me because too, if you buy from hack. the vending machine, it's Bloody three expensive. euros fifty. Yeah. So you save yourself two euro fifty. And you're being kinder on the environment, slightly. Oh you because it's plastic coated, so I don't know if it's recyclable. Very that's why I said slightly. Okay. So, like, maybe the it'll take the cardboard a hundred years to dissolve because it'll take that long for an animal to. But it will dissolve quicker than the plastic. <laughs> Slightly. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is is that there are around a gate gates A twelve and A thirteen. There's a good Italian cafe that sells lovely croissants and little fruit salads and stuff. That and it's actually See, good. I usually do the the Asian one where they do f- they do pho, but I always get there's a glass noodle salad. Where That's is my that? Go-to. Whenever I've flown to the UK, when I fly to Gatwick... Well, which airline? EasyJet. Oh, that means you're in C. Yeah, not, not as cool as... The, yeah, you've got to get the frequent <laughs> fly points. London City, that's the best ah, route in the world, right. Tegel yeah, to yeah, London I City. Don't, I try not to go to, the, yeah. to north. I stay real south when I go to the UK. I mean, Gatwick Airport is basically where I am from, so yeah, I should be flying same. there. <laughs> every time I fly there, every time anyone tells me I've been there, I'm like, I'm from Gatwick Airport, <laughs> four miles away. You're like Horley. You know, I'm my... I mean, I've been I'll on that. Say, I've said it once. I'll say it a million times. My favorite hotel in the world is at Horley Gatwick Airport Block <laughs> Hotel. <laughs> one Block day, hotel. We would like to come and stay. We're gonna do a weekend at Block, Block Hotel. hotel. One day. We, we're just gonna fly from Tegel to, to Gatwick. Gatwick to stay at the <laughs> yes. Block and then fly back. One hundred percent. I mean, it's on my bucket list of ridiculous uh, things. To we do basically wouldn't have left Germany except. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just gonna like eat snacks from W. H. Smith and from Marks and Sparks. It's gonna be good. 
Anyway, so Tegel business, just going back on this little business last down because I know everybody's going to be itching to want to know what's in there. <laughs> the other hacks. Okay. So you go in and, um, and you look in the fridge and you're like, all right, there's like 500 milliliter beers in the fridge that it you can take like and to, drink. It's going to some German man's house. So you're like, what have you got in the fridge? <laughs> it's almost, yeah, it's like somewhere between a German man's house and a spatey okay. where you just go in so you can get the huge beers. I'm going to, I want, next time you're there, I want you to photograph the people that are drinking those beers because that is the last thing that I would drink before taking a flight because I have to pee all the time. So if I'm flying, the last thing I'm doing is going to drink a liter I mean, of beer. They're drinking it at, in and out of the lounge. It doesn't matter if it's in the lounge or not. Mm. And then last time, so nightmare. last time I was there, I went. Well, it wasn't the last time, but the time before I was there in, in the afternoon. So the ho- only hot option is like you know those like tinned sausages, like Wiener sausages. <laughs> so Party sausages. they're in like this what looks like a drinks blender sort of thing and I look I look at it <laughs> I mean none of that that you've said so far sounds but appealing but there's steam coming yeah, out yeah. from the bottom I look, at it, I look at it and I'm like what's that all about because I saw a sign saying no meat and I'm like what what so there's like vegetarian side and non-vegetarian side but they're essentially being steamed in the same way so I'm like if you don't eat meat you're get, still getting like, getting like hot meat dog steam. steam like that's yes. that's your only option is I mean like I'm a from steam a place sausage. that loves a steam sausage like Montreal I mean, loves a steam. No, don't get me wrong, but like steamed I also bread and steam sausage. The last thing you want to be doing as a single female in an airport lounge <laughs> is like, like mowing down on a steam sausage with all the businessmen having a look yeah. at you whilst you're eating. I the mean, because most of the time when you're in those spaces, <laughs> the ratio of men to women is ninety-nine to one. Yeah. It's like one time I, when I moved from uh, Amsterdam to, back to the UK, my girlfriend and I we were we took we had to take the van on the on the ferry and of course the ferry that we took apparently our truck was a tiny bit too big so we had to pay extra to be like a real trucker but then you get like a free meal in the trucker's lounge we're like fuck it we're gonna eat in the trucker's lounge i think these men had never seen women before because they were taking pictures of my friend eating petit four with these like tiny cakes and they were like oh so sexy look at that woman eating a cake (laughs) god it was so weird we asked the guy maybe they had food fetishes i think the guy had to like he like climbed into that fridge to try and find like one bottle of white or rosé that was buried in the back just beer and whiskey i mean trucker's lounge yeah it was fun quite like to go to a trucker's lounge yeah it's actually really quite fun i mean we got a lot of stairs because we were like oh we're dressed up we're gonna go to the casino later (laughs) casino on the ferry so good oh. anyway we've gone way off track yeah we have because we're just enjoying this Peisinger wine we and are it's really and delicious yeah I mean if this happened to appear British Airways please put this wine into the, the BA lounge so there's at least one thing that you can have yeah because actually the only thing I have when I go there is sometimes I make myself a Negroni <laughs> I love that it's all like self-serve always in business lounges you're like just a bunch of random bottles that's why it's really like going to your nan's house I know like, in, at least in London the like the vermouth is fresh because people are using, using it. it so I'm always making a martini in London but but on this occasion I made myself a Negroni and the only thing I could find to eat was because I heard somebody else say that they'd had it this <laughs> this businessman say an English guy say to his colleague he said I just had some Philadelphia on a Rivita with some Tabasco on That's top, and it was really delicious. Good. And I was like, "Oh man, I've just eaten one without oh Tabasco." So I went back and I put the Tabasco oh on. God, I was that's like, "Good idea." This is like, I mean, Philadelphia this, on anything. 
But I'm still, a big fan. Philadelphia on a cracker of any kind. But when that's the highlight of your lounge. It's also very 1970s. That was one of my mother's favorite hors d'oeuvres. Philadelphia cream cheese on a Ritz cracker with half an olive. With the little, like, the, the green <gasps> oh olives God. with the pimento in the middle. Like, I could eat a thousand of those. Delicious. I've never done that, but I think it's I could see that. good. I quite like very ripe tomatoes with the salt on and olive oil drizzled I mean, over the top. I all of those. Like, I used to do 1970s parties at home when I lived in Canada. Well, the 1970s party will soon be coming to Juice Podcast. Yes. <laughs> Hold on to your seats, people. This is going to be a ride. Last one today, one out of the um, Emily Harmon collection. So I bought this bottle, I think, around five years ago, maybe four and a half. Schloss Gobelsberg, Grüneveltliner from the Estelager, the, well, Estelager first, is like, like Premier first, Crew. Yeah. The vineyard's called Renner, and it's the 2012. So this moment, you you opened it earlier, so I already had a little sneak preview. Mm. But I have to say that it wasn't for me, maybe because I haven't had so many aged Gruners, but maybe for me, immediately, it was not what I imagined a Gruner to be. See, I smell this, and I immediately think of Gruner. But, um, Tell me why, because... Because I actually think um, it's interesting because Gruner is a great variety that sits somewhere a little bit in between Riesling and Chardonnay for me. Hmm. Um, okay, that's interesting. And it's often... Com- it like that. Yeah, and more often it's compared to Riesling um, and less often it's compared to Chardonnay. And I think uh, this just is funny today... Just put... For maybe just my experience with Gruner, I wouldn't have put it near think either about, of them. But think about unoaked Chardonnay. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. No, you're um, totally right. But this one, yeah, I mean, this is quite a... Obviously, it's seven years old, or almost seven years old, uh, and it has been made in a way where it's quite an intense wine. And also the style from Gobblesburg, you know, I think they benefit from ageing. Gobblesburg is uh, produced... Like, it's an old schloss, like it's an old castle, but it was an old monastery, so mm-hmm. wine's been produced there for, for centuries. So I've, I've tried the wines for a lot of time over, over the years. Maybe I'm wondering, like, because I think when you're taught, you know, varietals and this one tastes like X, Y, Z, I think white pepper is always something that's thrown out. I see the pepper is here, though. Yeah, see, but maybe that's why I'm I'm struggling. White pepper is maybe something that I don't have that often, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. It's been a while. But I see the pepperiness here, but I do see that you, like... That it's a struggle to get there, I think, for me. The nose, though, for me, is Austria, and and it's Gruner, and... And I, but I think if you if you didn't if you didn't pick that like there are very few other things that it would lead you towards like I think if you like things yeah. like the Lasula that we had yes a few weeks ago um, this is definitely a wine that's a bit like Lasula uh, where it's got these today, so maybe that's what it is, but... but it's quite mm. it's a lot more exotic maybe than yes. other um, other Gruners that maybe you've maybe had before. Maybe that's what it is, and is it's it, full bodied. It's really full bodied. It's and so crazy fruity, but like, yeah. for me, it's like it's just like Gruner on steroids because okay. everything's intense. So like okay. this very ripe fruit, um, you know. Obviously, you see like the pear fruit there, but it's going almost exotic. Quincy, quince, hundred percent. You're also seeing these sort of leasy characteristics, yes, biscuity, so savory. Yes. I mean, it's really Yeasty. delicious. This is really very, very good. Spicy for me, it's you know, like you even this is where. This is where I still see this this line between uh, Chardonnay and Riesling. So if you try like old Alsatian yeah. Riesling, it has this slightly exotic note that you're right. seeing yeah, here, totally. and this spiciness. Yeah. But then on the palate, like you have this texture and this weight that you wouldn't necessarily see in Riesling, right. but you probably see in Chardonnay. I would probably drink this with what exactly I would drink with things from Alsace. I probably like 
cheese and jams, meat, chick, chicken, yep. also some really nice chicken. I think pork. of like hearty dishes. Yeah, but it can handle yep. some fat because yep. I think like from that region, you say chicken, you think like light, but actually I, I'm thinking like lots of butter. You could do things that are much heavier. It could stand up to super fruity dishes or super kind of anything. Maybe yeah. not a steak, but I think it could do close to it. No, but if you were eating steak and you wanted Pork a white steak. wine, this would be one yeah. of them. Totally. It's I mean, it's 13.5% nice. alcohol, but it is very intense and it is very rich. And it's got this savoury, easy quality, it's but this really intense, nice. exotic fruit as well. Because when we I'm talked about Gruner, well. it's not what I was expecting. I was expecting what I usually imagine. Yeah, from peaches a and pears. Uh, I mean, even, well, yeah. Pear, and, sorry, pears and pepper. And even <laughs> the colour for me, because when I think about like the classic glass for Gruner with the green stem. I mean, we can get the nail polish out, get yeah, yeah. the green on the stem, in fact. But I think, like, but it's, <laughs> because even the colour is really buttery and, I mean, I love burgundies, white burgundies. So this is something I would probably drink right before a bigger burgundy. Yeah. Like, if I were moving up, I'd do this and then... Yeah, because it's so maybe after. less le- less oaky okay right. than a white burgundy. I think this would be, like, the perfect, right before going to your your big expensive Merceau that you'd do one of these and i if i had to choose i mean if i have to choose like for white wines i love gruner and i have for a long time because i find it super versatile yeah um because when you compare it to riesling okay it's got slightly less acidity than riesling like it's still got good acidity but slightly lower um in general it has more body and you it's always made dry as well so So i actually drinky i and i actually think for a lot of people Gruner is far more accessible than Riesling. If the world knew more about Gruner, there'd be a lot more Gruner being drank. Because I think it's a really easy, delicious, yes. it can be made super yes. clean. It can, I mean, Austrians love a spritz, so they love to mix it with soda. There's yeah, I mean, so sometimes many, it like, can be very mundane. Like, let's sure. not get it wrong, the cheaper end, like we see some that sure. are just sort of a little bit quaffable. You can use those too, and they're drinkable too in their own way. You mix yeah. them with a little soda water, and you're you have no hangover at the end of your afternoon session. But I think it's a really nice, versatile white that I think if, if it was sold more readily around the world, it would be drunk a whole lot more. Yeah, which it should be. Yeah. Just more people need to get. And also, I mean, this is just going back to it. It's like it's not the most expensive Austrian wines are not that expensive if you compare them to, say, France. Yeah, right. Um, but there's nothing really at entry level in Austria. It doesn't really exist. And when I say right. entry level, like your house wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite hard to find, like, house wine. Maybe a Zweigelt you can find. Yeah. Um, but, but particularly for whites and particularly for Gruner, like, it sort of starts at a little bit above entry level. They have quite high quality. And also where they fit price-wise is not always cheap. But I think if you find a good producer... Uh, yeah, and you find them get yourself the discount <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but you can find something sort of mid-priced yeah really good and this will appeal if you had a Absolutely. dinner party you pop this on the table everybody would like this it. is definitely like gruner vitlinas is something that we whenever i go wine shopping if we're especially yeah. now that we're heading into the summer season something that i buy by the case i buy one that's a nice middle range because you know that no matter who comes over someone is going to drink it no one's going to be offended it's going to be delicious. Goes with pretty much everything. I mean, I think it's a really easy grape to pair with things. I agree. Because middle range can be a little nondescript sometimes. Mm. So it makes it... Do you know what I think of? If I think about what I'm tasting now. And I think like if I wanted to have the ultimate comfort food pairing, yeah. I would have ham hock with mashed potato mm. and oh, this. yes. Because actually, it's sort of fatty but light at the same time. 
That's actually a very interesting pairing. I like that. I mean, that was a bit of an intro into Austrian wine. Um, yeah, I think uh, we should definitely delve a bit. Like later, delve into some regions a bit more heavy. I agree with you. We should totally like explore the varietals in a bit more detail, the regions and the styles. Yeah, so much to learn about. And I think there are a couple of other countries also that we will explore. Yeah, in this way. Yes, because I think there are some places that make some really good wines that people should be definitely drinking more of. Yes. So if you have some favorites that you think like this is a country that definitely needs some attention, we'd love to hear from you. So you can contact us on Instagram at juice.podcast. On Twitter at juice underscore podcast. You can find our website at juice.show where you can pick up a very fancy tote bag for yourself, your mum, your friends, for whoever. And uh, you can message us anywhere. But otherwise, we'll see you next week. I'm Gwen Douglas. I'm Emily Harmon. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs)